Padres. Hello. It's been it's been a while. Hi, Michael. Yes. Thanks for um, sitting with us. It's been a crazy year or so since we've last spoken. Um, Has it been a year? What are some things that have happened in the past year? Uh, well, the most recent thing is that uh, my wife and son and I live in the same house as you guys. That's cool. Oh my goodness. How's that been? I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> We're three months in? And three and a half? And don't don't forget the biggest bonus is little Aiden. Wow. Yeah. Wake it up to him. Every yeah, morning. it's a... Bonus, depending on what kind of day it is. Nana, Papa. He's very much a vocal, uh, rambunctious kid now. And you guys have been great to have us here, and we're saving for a house. Um, Last time, I think we were talking about dreams of the new year. So it was, uh, you know, like a year and a half ago. Um, No, negative. Well, we'll we'll double check, but I'm pretty sure. Um, but we're this this episode we're just gonna kind of catch up, but also uh, we have a recording that we meant to put up of Dad on the DC Talk Cruise. Um, so they they had you guys out for the second time. I think we had the first one up too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, well, how was that experience for you guys? Well, getting back to dreams, real quick. It is a dream to wake up and hear a voice of your grandchildren. Because I really believe one of the things that we're experiencing at this time is it is about the children's children to a thousand generations, God's Word says. And we had a dream fulfilled with Avon and now Odelia and their cousins and to see healing happening uh, both in the Shepherd family with the loss of India, our family with the loss of Josiah. And I think sometimes, like we said at dinner, sometimes we don't understand God's favor because it doesn't seem like favor to be grieving or mourning or in prison like Joseph. So it had been and still is coming out of a long season of imprisonment, it seems where you don't understand why things don't change. But then you see that little glimmer of hope and then all of a sudden you see this little boy, Avon. Then you see little Odelia. And you see what it's about and that's exciting. So that's, to me, the dreams being fulfilled. Because a hope deferred makes a heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. So was being on the cruise like being in prison? (laughs) <laughs> no, it was a dream fulfilled because I let mom, mom, why don't you handle it uh, from this, your standpoint going, our son's getting married and all that was going on. That's another dream fulfilled. Our yes. oldest got married. Yeah. Yes. And Odie wasn't yeah. here. No. Last no. time. Mm-mm. She was coming. Cheers, Odie. Um, yes. Um, so, yes, those dreams are being fulfilled with our two little ones in our lives um feels like for the first time that we were really actually grandparents yeah we've been grandparents before that's been a little bit uh estranged and difficult and uh so having these two in our lives really brings back a joy that has been missing for a while um as for the dc talk cruise uh that was a fun experience we uh feel like it was a family reunion Um, some of the relationships there were the very first relationships that we had um, when we got to town. So, Other than Michael and Debbie Smith. Right. But just feel like it's just there. It was just being with family. And it was the same way on the first cruise. Um, This cruise was uh, a little different. Um, We ended up... um, getting the opportunity to share again on that cruise. And we weren't sure that. Right? And that was really exciting and an honor. Um, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we forget how much influence those guys had over that time frame. And to be a part of that mm. 
is humbling um, because, you know, just we're still in a relationship with all these guys and and their wives and their kids and their brothers and their cousins. And so, yeah, it was really sweet. There was mm-hmm. a moment that it just kind of made us really weepy about just how life brings really good relationships and those ones really last through a lot. And the timing about it. You said, like, when it first was offered, we didn't think we'd go. Would you like to share about the timing of it? Why you didn't think we'd be able to go? Um, Well, our son was getting married the next following week. So it was a little tricky. But... um, Jonathan and Aiden. Jonathan and Aiden are married. And that was an amazing experience, too. And so Mm -hmm. another dream fulfilled. Mm. Yeah. A lot can happen in a year and a half. <laughs> Got a, a baby, a marriage, a cruise, a moving in. And, um, yeah, and you guys were telling me you had some, you met some new people on the mm-hmm. cruise, had some good talks and bumping into people at dinners. And um, I think that's just the story of your ministry in general is you go to a place expecting one thing but God does a lot mm-hmm. of things that you don't expect and speaks to your heart in ways you didn't know that you'd be spoken to mm-hmm. I was really um, I was really blown away by how many people were on the first cruise that were on the second one that had heard uh, dad share that literally really impacted their lives it was humbling it's just humbling to be a part of such a thing and you know seen the fruit over that was two years ago that we were on that boat mm-hmm. and the interesting thing like I told you before is that before we got on the cruise um, right before we got on I had prepared to speak and then we were told that they were, there was a mistake and we weren't going to need to um, but so then the, like the one night um, Dan Pitts comes up and says, oh, by the way, you're speaking tomorrow. And I'm going, because we got this, the reason I say that is because sometimes ministry can be your God. You can get so caught up. Marriage can be your God. Your children can be your God. Listen, God wants one thing, to be God. He says it in the Ten Commandments over and over. There's only one God. He's, And so when things get rough in our lives, he's always trying to remind us that he is intimately and passionately pursuing us for time in his presence. So I'm going, okay, mom goes, this is time to rest. Do we get it? Okay, we're going to go and rest. So I'm going, oh, cool, we're going to rest. She goes, well, honey, just use the note you have. I go, well, I can't really do that. I mean, I just want to know what, what God would have me to say fresh. And then I was really nervous, as always, speaking publicly, because I like to do one-on-ones. And the night before, one of the things you mentioned was divine appointments. So we're sitting at dinner going, like, what are we doing here? And we bumped into an old acquaintance that used to be at the Bible study we did downtown at Perkins, which was an encouragement. And that's when Mom said to me, man, God will go out of his way to encourage you if you pay attention. Yeah. And one thing I I listened to it today when you were talking was, he said repeatedly at different points was... um how the older you get, the less you know, because you realize that God is unknowable to the fullest extent. Our goal is to be as close to God and learn as much and soak in as much as we can. But um, obviously when you started the ministry, there was a lot of unknowns. Um, There became a routine with the tour life and like how you, you you had like a schedule. And that's something I think that we all love to have. Um, but now we're in this, the God is, whenever God wants your whole person, he takes away the this kind of stable feeling because with that, like you said, that can become a God. And I think um, just this season of the ministry for you guys has been a lot of going with the flow and... Um, not limiting what God can do because it it began as a musician led ministry but then it became creatives because anyone can create and be inspired by God and be inspired by the beauty of 
nature and and all that he created um and now we just realize we're called to to be the you know stewards of people not and that's a really good point because i think sometimes as you get older you want more stability and mm-hmm. you want more structure at least i do and our life has never been that you know and dad turned 65 and this year you know we're looking at wow this is our life is is going quickly and so but is it about structure is it really cuz really truly we should be free to do what god wants us to do and have structure and have ideas i mean that's important to be responsible and and to be uh, a good steward over what god has given you but also not to be bound by only what says on your calendar or your you know your phone that you have to do mm-hmm. so it's, it is a battle and I think it's hard as we get older we're like don't bounce back as fast mm-hmm. when things change well I think that's one thing that God is a God of order right but he also is spontaneous and so when you work with creatives you realize that they can use as an excuse and I'm many times in the same boat like all of a sudden you know you realize that creativity like you Michael you're a songwriter you're creative in the ways you do things and you understand the creative process but you can't fully understand how God does it because in one moment he says tree light he creates right in another moment he says be still and, and just know that I'm God understand that you don't have to be in control and I believe that was the fall of man wanting to be in control and God said he created us in his image. And they listened to a snake, a serpent, say, you can be like me. And God said, wait, I created you in my image. But the, the challenge was, you can know all things. You can be like God. God created us in his image. But he created us in an image of family and wanting to be one. And that's where I see the real battle over. Um, if I really know God as Father, and I know that He leads by the Spirit, it's like Jesus said, anyone who's born of the Spirit is like the wind. Remember when He told Nicodemus? It's like the wind. You don't know where it comes or where it goes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. So when we go on a cruise, or we go on a vacation, or we go to a birthday party like today, Lord, what do you have for today? Because I'm following you. I'm not following people. And if you do that, life becomes a romance with God. And He takes you down steps and into valleys and up to high mountain peaks and you can't stay there. He doesn't give you the Holy Spirit to make you comfortable. He comes to comfort you. And I think that's where we try and set up camp. We try and come to a place of comfortability with an IRA, KEO, savings accounts, steadying a home, new car, and we lose perspective of the free life. I think that's one of the things that's hard right now for me at 65 because there's never been that stability and now I'm 65 and so I got stuck in my head, still do, um, like God, I don't, I don't get it. I didn't think at sixty-five I'd be at this place, but then when I'm in the spirit, I go, "Oh, how refreshing! This is awesome." You know, yeah. you can do what you want. Yeah, I think uh, you guys have been very keen to listen to what God is doing and not forcing the the old ways of, you know, this is what I know works. And this is how I'm going to do it. I think you guys have been very, uh, not only in ministry, but in, in our own family, you know, like we all have become different people as life, like we started to get married and different careers, different, you know, things that we value change. And I think you guys have been very much listening to your kids and that's kind of how we have to listen to God too and he listens to us mm. is to not treat each other like our five year old or five years past self or even like a year past or six months is just being listening has been uh, a real strength of you guys well I want to I say we have awesome kids and that's really easy to yes. listen to um, but you guys really teach us more than you know each one of you brings to the table in our family a very unique side of God that is not the same and it wasn't the same five years ago 
it's totally different and growing and and even more beautiful and so we learn from you guys when we sit down and hear your hearts and where you're at and you know I, I just thank God for our, our children they're just they're the biggest gift and the biggest asset to us I got early on a guy's home he said the greatest missionaries you'll ever raise are in the four walls of your own home and so you guys have been missionaries to culture as we talked at dinner where you're at Michael with your position and Mary Beth and the places and influence you have with people Johnny and Aiden Jordan and Daniel and um, Danielle in Savannah Nicole and Steve in California um, whatever happens in our life we have to understand everything we invested from that age of birth to five they say the characters developed and those things are in you what they look like as they get older aren't the same as you're seeing with Avon you don't parent him the same now as you did when he was newborn so you learn he's always challenging you to grow even in how the transition from bottle to food to it's, it's such an everything if you pay attention if you want to know how to be a husband become the bride of Christ and study that relationship if you want to know how to be a good parent become a son or a daughter of God but know that that's all God's trying to teach us like in the garden to be family yeah and like you're saying too and you'll hear when we put up the uh the talk from the cruise um how yesterday's meals don't sustain today you know and how you joked with us, like, oh, you want breakfast, but you had dinner last night. Um, <laughs> and you're going to want snacks. It's true. It's, it, it took me to be lonely and in Alaska and without internet. And it took a lot for me to really become eager and uh, not comfortable and to seek after God in a new way. And for for some people, it requires different things. But for me, that was what it was. And um, yeah, we have to constantly be seeking what is today's message and what am I? What's my uh, role in that? Mm. And like you also say, not to control other people's lessons or what they're supposed to be learning. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't want to to prolong it too much but um we'll get into the the message you had we're going to try and do this a little more regularly and i think i say this every time but um but yeah what what are ways people can pray for you guys in this season it's we're getting to the end of the summer i know that um in a couple weeks the mute thought you guys are coming in town speaking of listening to god that was <laughs> For you guys, they usually stay at your house, and you guys usually host them and do it. But you guys made it work so that we didn't have to find another place, too, which is really sweet. And they're family to us, too. So uh, for you guys to navigate that and get them a place and still make them feel welcome, that's really very sweet. But Well, they're family to us, big time. Yeah, I think that's what's important to understand is like family in in the sense that we all need to be more like family. And some of those things that trouble me in this time and and a general overall bigger sense is praying for the body of Christ not to be so political. Um, We're supposed to be the examples. You know, nothing's new in our culture that Jesus didn't deal with. The gods of Moloch, the gods of... All these pagan gods and all this stuff, he's not intimidated. He just wants you to know him as, it's okay. You don't have to try and elect the deliverer into the White House. and You don't have to battle with each other. And I think that people try and stereotype a Republican, a Democrat, a Christian, a Muslim, a Buddhist. And, and God, if we would just seek you, Lord, if we would just know you in your heart, you know, that's where you guys have challenged me. And I'm, I'm grateful for it to know God, not to know Christianity. And I've always told you guys that I don't think it's wise to say you're a Christian because you have to define what you're not. It's more important to say that I'm following the one who came and changed the world, turned it upside down, and life was is marked by his life and death, time, you know, B.C. and A.D. So what does it mean to study how he interacted with people? And... 
he never disregarded anyone. He loved the Pharisees. He loved the religious leaders who didn't get who he was. He loved everyone right where they were. And, and he was known as a man who hung out with notorious sinners. He hung out with people that we a lot of times don't. But these bands that have stayed in our home have taught us more about what you guys prepared us for. Is that we don't have to pigeonhole God into this one dimension. We can learn more through people. So I think if you want to answer the question about what could we pray for for PR ministries, and I would just say that it's it's the constant prayers that what would God have us do next? Well, who's the next? You know, me without you band. Who's the next? Um, who's the now? What's now? Yeah. What 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 do you want us to do? next and now um you know finances are always tough in the summer and so i'd be lying to say that you know would be um appreciated if you would just pray for the finances finances in the direction of where we're supposed to be yeah because yeah, with the vision god gave us for this ministry is everybody wants something from an artist everybody wants something from people of success and notoriety and wealth so our vision has always been like Christ came to people and he came and he didn't ask them for anything. He befriended them and then they came to recognize who he was. And that's what we want to do because if you contaminate the relationship with asking, then you're just like the record company and other people want an autograph, you want a t-shirt. I mean, I still to this day feel awkward with people I've known so long and so well taking a picture. Like it's just, I don't want to invade their privacy and their relationship. But when you get to that place where it's family, you just, it's just like a family photo. And um, you hope that they understand the needs that we have. You hope that, you know, one of the neatest things was an artist just recently asked us to come meet his in-laws and family and offered to pay for our flights and wants us to come and be with him. And I thought, wow. And he's not in the affordable means to do that. He's got two kids. And, and uh, to me, that heart is what we want. And we're praying, this is one prayer request we've had. There are people with resources that could come alongside and help PR. That God would get the vision so that we can go to the new places, the now places, the next places. But we want to be content in the midst of it. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what we want. Well, uh, I think you guys have um, inspired me my whole life to the fact that I've grew up feeling comfortable and not ever wanting like that you guys would one have the faith for that but when you don't to make that a plea to God and not a burden to those around you like that is that is incredible that you guys have done that and you've had so many miraculous stories of how God gave us stuff on Christmas and Jesus milk showing up at the door and all those things, um, but I I was I've been listening to a lot of podcasts because my I have a new job. That's also a new thing that's happened uh, since we last talked. But um, I've been driving a lot, and there's this guy Butch Spearden, um, guy around town, has done a lot for the city, but he was talking about how when the Houston Oilers were thinking about coming to Tennessee, he got a call. And they were, they basically said, oh, we want to meet with you. We don't want you bringing any politicians or, you know. <laughs> Mary Beth was trying to put a little music in the background. But basically they were like, we don't want any politicians. We want to meet with you and not in Nashville. We don't want to be schmoozed. And so he, on, on faith, pays his ticket to go to uh, Chicago, meet with these people. He doesn't know if anything's going to happen from it, but his motto, and he talks about all the things that have happened, has been, you know, you don't know if you, if you don't try. And mm -hmm. he, he's, he's like, I, I've failed a lot of times, but I'm not scared to fail because mm -hmm. I know that if I try and something good comes of it, then that is, That's you know. Good. So that's that's how we should be with God. Is mm -hmm. like God's like, hey, I want to do something cool, and then you just show up. Like I'll show up mm -hmm. if you're gonna do something cool, I'll show up. 
and you don't even know what it is yet. <laughs> um, and, you know, since then, obviously we got the, the NFL team. We just had the draft in the city, which was also a big thing that he was just sending pictures to the office, uh, the NFL office. They didn't even move the draft. And he was one of the first people like, why don't you move it? Bring it to Nashville. And so we were the third other city other than it was Philadelphia, Chicago, and then Nashville. Um, and yeah, we can't grow and expand and uh, just experience new levels of joy and accomplishment until we make room for it by asking Mm. and by showing up. That's right. And I think you guys have always been really good um, about showing up, and I think now we're just learning how to be more specific with God and like, hey, we want this thing, That's want good. that thing. So um, anything else you want to say before we... Well, Mom reminds me of that what you just said. Um, first of all, that's a man of faith, even if he doesn't declare his faith. It's, it's, you know, entrepreneur is really willing to take a risk. What is that? It's faith. So a lot of, you, you don't, I think sometimes we over-verbalize Christian terms to it. And with the vision we have, we want to come alongside people that aren't necessarily following Christ in mainstream music, art, culture, whatever way. So I'm going to pray that I meet that man. That's how things happen in my life. Because I, I was, like I was actually curious when I was listening. I was like, if, if Butch and Dad met, they actually would really like each other, I think. Yeah. They've, you guys are cut from the same cloth, but... Yeah, he's well, pretty. Gonna... He's pretty likable. <laughs> I think. I think all. Um, I'll say, um, most things about life is showing up. Yeah, it's all you can do is do your part. And if you show up and you've got the right heart, and God sees that, it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mom reminds me all the time. Leadership is making space for God. That's leadership. You make room mm-hmm. for the unexpe- unexplainable, the unexpected. Listen, if you can explain it, then you can control it. Mm. Going back to the garden, the tree of control. I remember we had, um, uh, uh, remember when uh, we had uh, Marshall's son-in-law here, uh, um, Brandon B. Sterling, and plays 10 instruments and you were playing his music, pulls a cello out, starts playing with you. Brilliant guy. So he comes the next time and we're staying there talking and he sends me a, a song he wrote. He says, Guido, I wrote the song, The Tree of Control. I was just sharing with him about, my, from my sense of looking at it, was the Garden of Eden, that knowledge of good and evil is a tree of control. God said, don't touch it. This is good, this is evil, this is good, this is evil. No, you know, you can't figure that out. The other one is called the Tree of Life. God wasn't surprised at the fall. He already prepared the cross, the Tree of Life. And so... When we, Mom said this when we were just recently in New York with Paul and Rachel, and then going to see her sister in Savannah, Danielle. Because we talk about the cross a lot. And I remember being interviewed for Michael Smith's book, and the author, um, John Laurent, was talking to me, and he says, Guido, what I hear you saying is in our culture in America, we basically preach a cross as Christ. That is what I believe we live in. A culture in the Western society where everyone wants to go to heaven but no one wants to die to themselves. The selfishness that we've learned in some of our hardest times has brought us an intimacy with God that you see when I said at dinner, you know, we go, God, if your favor's on me, then why am I in prison? Why, like Joseph, why like Jeremiah? Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. 52 years, no one listened to him. Joseph in prison. Every time he got out, he got elevated. And you think about what God's building, what that creates favor, it's character. And what... They saw on Danielle what they saw on you with your job, what they seen with Jonathan as we went to his wedding and the favor he had with his bosses, with Daniel and Jordan and all our kids and the things we've seen is in the hard times. If you run from the hard times, you won't learn and won't have character develop. And favor comes upon character of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, we've had a lot of trials but we've also had a lot of joy yes and i think uh god has promises for each and every one of us and our job is to remind him of what he told us and his job is to fulfill it that's a great quote yeah you know because what that's what really he says he says remind me of my promises Mm -hmm. what are my promises 
you know, he said, if, if you don't know these promises, then literally how, you know, and it's like you, Michael, you tell your child, you tell Avon, we're going to Disneyland, we're going to fly to LA, you give him the tickets, he takes them to his room, and you show him the, the brochure of Disneyland, and pre-advanced tickets, all that, and then he comes the next morning and says to you, Daddy, I'm so excited, we're going to Disneyland. And it's in June. It's like six mm-hmm. months later. And this exactly. is January. Right? Yeah. And he's so excited every day. The contrast is, are we really going to go? And then May comes. We're never going to go. Mm-hmm. How do you maintain that expectancy and excitement if you don't have a childlike attitude? Mm-hmm. Childish is not childlike. Childlike says, I'm expecting the best from my father who's never failed me. And Michael, you said it. There's things that we can't talk about publicly that mom and I have prayed for for people, for friends, for artists for our kids that God showed up and we're still expecting for miracles for each one of our kids and for those that we love we believe it we're excited and we're gonna we're gonna try and post more about the podcast and um try and keep people in tune to what what's going on with us but also let people know about the the encouragements that we've in seen too so people don't know you know so you get the trial the joy the full picture mm-hmm. um but yeah we're gonna go to the the talk we had on the cruise where dad spoke and um we'll be hearing You'll be hearing more from us soon. Thank thanks you so down. much. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for interviewing. And, and Thank for, you so much. Love you. Anybody who wants to come and stay at our house. Thanks, Mary Beth. Kind of full right now, but <laughs> Call 555. Five, five. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. God bless you all. faithfully and shepherd, shepherded faithfully over the last few decades. Many of the artists that you love and that you came here to watch, uh, this man has really been the pastor for these artists for many, many years. Uh, and so he's here today to share a word with you. Guido, would you come on up? And share with you? Yeah, um, wow, what it, it's, it's great to be here. Is this on? Yeah. Okay. Because one thing I don't do a lot of times is talk up loud enough because I'm deaf from being around music since 1983. <laughs> That's just since I was saved. But um, before that, um, my salvation experience was by playing music. But I want to thank you guys for allowing me to, Jared, for being so generous to share his time. Originally, I um, wasn't uh, going to share. So it's, it was his generosity to give me a moment to share. And um, before I came on here, um, one thing's always central in my heart, and uh, it is just the love of Jesus. Amen. This man loves Jesus. Mm. We all love Jesus, and we all know about this much. And that's the point between our fingers of Jesus. And what I love about this cruise is the same thing I said last year. And I think Kevin mentioned is that you feel closer to God when you're out here because you're very vulnerable, like when you're in Satan's, like his experience on the raft. Sometimes we don't realize the warfare we're in. But before we start and, uh, and go whichever way the Lord wants us to go, I'd like to pray. Can we pray? Lord, we just welcome your presence. We've sung about it, we've talked about it, we've dreamed about it, but we long for your presence. Because apart from your presence, we can do nothing. But with you, all things are possible. So Lord, you come where you're welcomed. You're such a gentleman. Would you come and continue to visit us as you did through the music, as you did through the words that you spoke to your son, Jared, as you've done throughout this cruise. And Lord, we just, we want your glory and we don't want to touch it. Yeah. We just want to see your face yeah. and the love that you have for us as the true friend. Meet us here, Lord. And meet every need of every heart. We're all in different places on the journey. But Lord, you pursue us 
as was said so clearly, daily, minute by minute, second by second. So pursue us with your love and chase us into your arms in Jesus' name. Um, one thing that I learned early on about my life with Jesus through coming out of the darkness of the past was he loves to have fun. He really loves to have fun. And he loves to laugh. And he loves to help like a good father. And so what we, we don't understand sometimes, we don't understand that he not only wants to be father and we have the triune God, but he wants to be friend. Jesus is the friend. And then he said, I'm going to give you the comforter when I leave as the friend that will be with you always. And the Holy Spirit, sometimes we, you know, we've gotten into, we love good, good father. We love to sing it. And that's good. And we love the fact that Jesus saved us. And, but sometimes we don't realize the friendship of God. And, you know, friendship is a wonderful thing. And my best friend sitting right here, my wife Celeste, who of all the 34 or 5 years of being on the road, beginning with Striper, through the DC Talk, Michael W. Smith, Jarvis Clay, every artist that was on Goatee, Audio Room, to all the way to... Um, working with uh, POD Blindside or going to be with Paul Jr. All, all facets, you know what you learn one thing? We're all little children in grown-up bodies and we're scared. He, but he's not just the daddy, he's a daddy who's a friend. One thing I love about my kids is they like to be around me. Not always. But, <laughs> but it's, it's because from a very young age, I realized that I didn't have a friend like that. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and I didn't know anything uh, about God. Some of you come from that background. Some of you were raised in the church, and some of you um, have had different experiences, and we all have hurts, and we all have scars, and um, we all have things that, that radically affect our trust in Christ. But the one thing I can tell you is all friends will fail you. Dan Pitts is here somewhere. Um, Dan Pitts is the manager of DC Talk, and he would be the fourth member of DC Talk. A real friend to these brothers. This man has poured his heart, mind, soul, family, everything. He has proper boundaries, but he knows that this was a call of God as much as I know to be here right now. We reflected last night just what a privilege it is to serve Jesus. And my friends that I love, they love me. My best friend, even she fails me. Dan's my friend. I can't expect from him. I failed him. We all fail each other. I fail my wife daily, as much as I long to pursue her daily. You know, it says in one translation, the love of God chases after us. I think it's the message. It chases you every day. And it's like, I'm a granddad now, and we should have done that first, the old saying, you know, grandparenting. And the best part is, every morning I wake up to my grandson in our home, because they're uh, saving for a home, and they live with us. And so my son, Michelangelo, and his wife, Mary Beth, who's like a daughter, I wake up and I see him, and I go, it's not about you guys anymore, it's about that. And, and he wakes up and he goes, Papa! And he's teaching me so much more. And so lately the Lord has shown me about this friendship that I have with him and how he longs for us to be his friend. And it's like my buddy, little Avon, he comes up in the morning having my first cup of coffee upstairs because I want them to have the home to, to let them know that this is their space. And I get my quiet time with my wife and I, and he comes in, the first thing he does, he goes into my prayer closet. I literally have a closet that turned into my office. That's how big my office is. And he sits down in the middle there and he just sits so patiently. And when my kids used to do that, when they were little, I go, oh gosh, you know, I gotta have my quiet time. I gotta have my, you know, and they write on a pen. Oh, I just, oh my God. He comes in and I go, hey, here's a pen. Here's a pen. You wanna walk on the Bible? Do you want it with? And he teaches me more about childlike faith. Because Jesus says, unless you become dramatically changed in your thinking and become like a child, you can't enter my kingdom. Because a child's teachable. 
A child wants to learn. You know what happens sometimes, and, and I, I want to be real clear, I think John hit on a lot of points if you went to his show about how we need to laugh at ourselves, how we create such a myopic subculture. When you're out on this ship, think about it, guys. We're a speck on this boat. And the boat is a speck on the vast ocean. And the ocean is just a speck in the midst of a globe. And the globe is a speck. It's one of the smallest planets. And we have the arrogance to tell God we understand. We get it. We're going to define you so small that you fit in our brain. That's my son's quote. He said, Daddy, the problem with most Christians, people of faith, they have all the answers and no question. How how small is God when he can fit inside your brain? But what he wants to do is fill your heart. In Israel, the worship is like this. Bowing your head below your heart so that you understand that the purpose is it's David was a man after God's heart. He was willing to submit his heart in a posture where God could speak to him. And the Holy Spirit comes to teach your head how to let the friend lead you to an intimate relationship. He won't. He never breaks his promises. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And like Jared experienced, he doesn't forsake. He is a true friend. He will never fail. Your wife, your friends, your family, your church, your pastor. And people walk around. We've all got scars. And they want, to, they want somehow man to make reparation for what, what man did. They can't. Otherwise, we, we don't need a savior. We want someone to make up for our childhood. Someone to make up for the, the pastor who didn't let us sing in the worship team. Or the wife who didn't give us the sex that we need. Or, or the child who doesn't respect us. Or the, the boss who doesn't understand how good I am or how gifted I am. Or it, it goes on and on, right? Well, God says to you, listen, I alone am God. And I long to woo you as a hen gathers her fruit. I want to call you so close that you know that I will never, ever, 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 never, ever leave you nor forsake you. So there's a verse that I read to the guys. This is about the power of music. We've dedicated, for me, my whole life, I love music. And my best friend, uh, the one who's never wrong, and never <laughs> accuses and never judges. I've learned more about how God loves me through a lot of tragedies. A lot of tragedies. Not through the good times. The good times are fun. But it's when you so hurt your best friend. And then you call him and he goes, hey, how you doing? I go, you know, I'm so sorry. Uh, what, what are you talking about? Because you see, when he casts our sin to the far east of the west, it's gone. But I read this to the guys last night from the Word, and it, it really is, sums up why I feel that my heart was so desiring to want to be in that place and posture of seeking after God for the rest of my life. When I came into the encounter with worship and the power of music, because when I started with Striper, in the first thing I did, I walked into that room, and I love music already, but I heard these songs. Uh, and they were singing, and they were called Rock's Regime at the time. And they said, you won't be lonely anymore. And something struck in my heart. And we talked about this last night, how music transcends. And it can, and it can penetrate the heart in, in a way that theology just doesn't get there. Martin Luther said, I give music second place only to theology because only music can calm an irritated soul. Think of our culture. Think of how we're living. Think of in the church. Think of in your marriages. Think of in your family. You irritated? I'm telling you, sometimes you can't read the Word of God. Sometimes you can't pray. But I'm telling you, if you want to get there, come to this and praise Him. Because praise, like we started with, we don't start with prayer. I mean, we may start with a prayer, but three fundamental things you have. Prayer, worship, and the Word. And if you're just reading the Word, and if a church is Word-heavy, you're going to have a lot of truth. But you're not going to have freedom. Because truth and grace meet together. If you get caught up in too much grace, you're going to have a licentious behavior. If you get caught up in truth, you're going to be a legalist. But when truth and mercy meet, there's a desire for obedience. So this is what he says. Lord, your name is so great and so powerful. 
People everywhere see your splendor. Your glorious majesty streams from your heavens, filling the earth with the fame of your name. Just look around on this ship. It's just everywhere. The, the creation declares the glory of God. You have built a stronghold in the songs of babies. Babies, trees, rocks cry out, right? He says, strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Childlike worship will silence the enemy and all who oppose you. Childlike worship will silence. Can we learn from children? Can we learn about being a friend? Listen, Jesus told me early on, the most confident person you'll ever meet is the one who knows they're perfectly loved by Christ. That's it. Not the one who has all the theology. Because doctrine can become a dogma. It can become a rut. Become a grave. If your theology isn't getting increasingly aware that you know very little. But he has it anyway. I know less now at 65. You know, Jared was honest enough to say about his youth. Listen, the older I get, the smarter I realize that I'm dumb. I don't know if that wasn't correct English for you English teacher, but the older I get, the more I realize how much I need to become like a child and trust him. Jesus said, you're my friends. I love you. But we also says you're servants. But maybe this gives a little indication of what he's trying to get at about servanthood. He said, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. His brother James, who didn't believe, who was his bunk bed with him, he's, you know, this is his brother. He didn't believe, oh man, if you're the Messiah, you should go to the wedding feast and tell him what's going on. I mean, you know. And then Simon, mom always loved you best. <laughs> James, if you read the book of James, how's he, in, he says, James, a bondservant of Jesus. He never touts his laminate. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm his brother. He called him Camelies because he spent so much time in prayer. Think of Peter when Jesus appeared to him after he betrayed him. Oh, what have you done that you don't think Jesus can forget? Some of us don't even understand that none of this can be done without the Holy Spirit. And we're still trying to do it by reading our Bibles and praying and worshiping. I'm, those are all great tools, but without an encounter with the Holy Spirit daily, you can't live this life. Minute by minute. I mean, I could have a great time with my wife in the morning. She goes, well, what happened to that? Right? Because it's true. We leak. We are constantly being hit with the world, the chairs of this life. Like deceitfulness of riches and the lust for other things that choke off the word of God. It's always like a cup at the sink underneath the faucet. And then comes, I should just for my kids, look what happens. Your friends don't like you. A pencil right through the styrofoam cup. Oh, and then you have a dad, bad day at school. Pencil. Then you have this bad thought about yourself. Then all of a sudden there's all these holes in the water stripping. But if you keep it right at the source, it's still overfilling. But you bring it over here, sooner or later, all you got is a little mist inside. Some of us are there. Somebody's there right now so dry, like Jared said. His wife had to cry out for him on the floor to ask him. I don't know how many times this one has cried out for me. Or some of you who've never met me who prayed for me. But Paul was smart. He said, pray for me, my friends. That it fulfill the call of God in my life. Pray that a door would open. This man studied with the best teachers. You want to talk about being able to taunt his thought, his knowledge? He said, I count it all rubbish. It's all dumb. Why? For the essence of the power of God. When the Holy Spirit shows up, he transforms our life. So we, we know that the Holy Spirit's around everyone. So then when we let Jesus Christ, we say, Lord, you are master. Now the second experience is the within experience. Now we're born again. If you're just there and you're not having the third experience that Peter talks about, when the Spirit of God came upon him, thousand got saved. 
My prayer for this morning and for every day, Lord, may your spirit show up and come upon us because you come where you're welcome. You're a gentleman. But Lord, don't let me shut the door. Don't let me live on yesterday's manner. Why does he talk about bread for today in the Old and New Testament? Give us this day our daily bread, but in the Old Testament, manna for today that was mentioned. Because you can't live on yesterday's food. You can't live on yesterday's uh, 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 spiritual food. I used to tell my kids, they come to here, you want breakfast again? (laughs) You had dinner last night. I guess you're going to want some snacks. And then, oh, and then lunch again. Yeah, daddy. Well, that's how your spiritual life. We need to understand that you can't live this life of faith by religious works. And listen, I'm not giving you something to do. I'm asking you guys to quit doing and start being. It's the Beatitudes. It's who we be in Jesus. Discover who he is. Then you'll discover who you are. Then you'll discover your purpose. And guess what? This dying to myself, it's killing me. Mark Heimerman wrote a song about that. That's marriage. Welcome to hell. Marriage. Brother said it. Because we don't want to go there. We don't want to see hell inside of us. Oh, so what do you do? Oh, man. That church was wrong. That friend was wrong. My parents were wrong. This person was wrong. That person. Listen, when someone's wrong, what's God trying to teach you? Toby used to hate it when I'd say that, or Mike, or Kevin, or any artist <laughs> I've been. They'd come to me talking about one of the other members of the band, or a, a, an artist and his wife, and I go, hmm. So, what's the Lord trying to tell you? Because you can't learn their lesson, and they can't learn yours, but you can do your part. And in this boat, on this boat, like the last boat, you know, it's amazing how if you really take time to listen to others. There's a conversation about alcohol next to me last night, when, yesterday when I was laying by the pool. And I love it because I just, and I'm going to listen, Lord, you have, what do you have to say? You know, we're fighting the wrong battles. And that's what John points out in his humor. We are fighting the wrong battles. Amen. None of us has perfect theology. You think God's a Democrat or a Republican? You think he's a Church of Christ or Assembly of God? You think he's Catholic? Or you, I mean, what, what box do you want to put him in? Whenever you're still talking about boxes. Listen, if you want your heart to be at ease, let him start bringing you into worship. Allowing his presence. So listen to what he says. I no longer call you servants. I call you because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you my friends for all things that I've heard from my father. I've made known to you. You're no longer a slave, but a son. Man, my wife never met her dad. I don't know how she does. But when she came to the Lord on the cruise we met in 1984. And I got to lead her to the Lord. And it's such a story that was amazing. She caught on to the fatherhood of God. Never a victim. All the abuses by stepfathers, uncles, aunts, all the things she'd been through, abuses in my life. I got saved. I went to my dad who was alcoholic, raging, and he fought in Normandy, was storming the beaches. God started showing me, okay, what, what is he going through? Not what are you going through? Yeah, I was hurt, but he heals my traumas. You know how he heals my traumas? By saying, Lord, how can you heal me? My dad can't give me anything. Nothing from without can satisfy the longing from within. And by the way, as I shared with them back there a minute ago, do you know that in, in the Hebrew, when Adam was alive in that garden, God never spoke from without. It was from within. The first time he heard the voice of God outside was when he partook of the fruit. We have the knowledge of good and evil. I contest is religion. We have the tree of life, the cross. We no longer have to live with the voices outside telling us what to do. And God, please guard yourself from listening to yourself. Self is the fallen Adam. But you can listen to the voice at the tree of life, mercy and grace and all the fruits of the spirit. And you know what you'll get from that? You'll get what he says, a new song in your heart. He says, I'll make all things new. The old is past and the new has come. When I came to the Lord, he gave us a foundational verse for our lives and for the ministry. Be reconciled to God and be reconciled to one another. Kevin, Mike, and Toby. You know why there's a power on this? If you think about it, you got Newsboys United, you got DC Talk. What is it talking about? Reconciliation and restoration. 2 Corinthians 5. Read it. 1 Corinthians 13. Read it. Because at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, to address the issue of how little we know... He says, we see dimly, darkly in a mirror. The message says, we see dimly squinting through a fog. 
someday we'll see him face to face and be just like him. If you have that many answers that you can contest that verse and say, you know, that day is now, I think you're deceived. If your doctrine isn't creating more questions in a good way, not doubting God, but letting God be God and being that, take you to that childlike walk and sit down in that closet and write all over his word and, and dance like a little child again, then I don't know that you're, you're going to grow. You're going to be stuck. Because he said to the man on the mat, do you want to be healed? So I ask all of us, do we want to be healed? Because if you do, he, one thing he says, take a step of faith, get up and start walking. Take your mat with you because that's your history. Yes, I'm not, I'm not diminishing any of the traumas of anyone here. But I know, I know that God said that if you can come to me, I'll make everything new. But you can't do it without the Holy Spirit, guys. You just can't do it. I'm sorry. You can talk about the Holy Spirit. You can study the Holy Spirit. But listen, until you let the Holy Spirit into your heart to be born again, and then go to the next level daily saying, I want a fresh encounter with you, God. I want something fresh. Hey, we're going to get off this island, Coco okay. We're going to, we got a, a day tonight. We're going to watch the guys tonight. We, we got an opportunity to say, Lord, set up divine appointments. Introduce me to someone that totally disagrees with me. Whether it's my wife, my brother, not me. But someone that I can, when I'm done, go, okay, I learned something there. Instead of like, without, you know what marriage is? It's like, I just got to go there because this is how accountability works. When you're single, it's like, it's, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. That was great, right? We did good, didn't we, Lord? Now I'm married. Thirty-two, going to be thirty-three years. August eighth. What the heck were you thinking? <laughs> Marriage is like Holy Spirit hysteria. Now you either take it as a gift, or you argue with it and say, "Well, she's on error." Listen, if someone's wrong, then let, let God make you righteous, not right. Who, who have any irreconcilable differences but the one who hung on a cross? And sometimes we need to hang there and, and embrace some of the pain. Listen, two years ago, two years ago, it hit me as I was walking on this cruise. We were here so excited that our son was getting married in August and our dog was due with our first grandbaby in Nashville. In October, our son got married we're so celebratory. There's a picture of my daughter with her hands on her big belly. My daughter, Jordan, who's a beloved baby, has a nanny since she was seven, was like a mother to her siblings, always had a nurturing heart. Her older brother has went through depression. We almost lost him to suicide. Listen, you guys, some of the things, if you ever want to talk to me and my wife, feel free. You can talk to us, stop us. I, I, I love every one of you. But if you're hurting, don't ever not talk about it. First to God. And then find people who've been through suffering. And I don't know if this one, I wasn't going to mention this, but I'm going to mention it. So right after the cruise, um, we're so excited. We went to celebrate our anniversary um, uh, in Aruba, where we've had so many great times. Our 10th anniversary there. And so this is two years ago. It would have been our 31st, 32nd. And we come back, and the day of the birth, Wait, is it a boy or is it a girl? My son crying, we lost the baby. The most deafening silence you've ever heard. And I think it's the silence God felt. And we sense when we get to that place of, what do you do with this? What do you do with the cross? What happened? The disciples are going, we don't know where to go. They're ready to flee. What are we going to do? He told them the night before, oh, you're my friends. You don't know how much I've wanted to have this meal. Let me tell you what, I'm scared too because I'm 100% man and I don't know what to do. But Father, if there's any other way, please, any other way. And suddenly your theology has to be applied and I didn't apply it perfectly and I'm still not. And I don't even know if I was supposed to share this, but I felt like right now, uh, at the moment I got in the car, I screamed. You know, it was silent and then I went, Except I use profanity. And I screamed a word that starts with F and ends in K. And I, I scared myself and I grabbed the string was so tight. And then there was a silence in the room, a car again. And I'm still sitting still. My wife is bawling hysterical. I don't know what to do. 
I heard a still small voice within. Maybe like Adam. I can't say it was God. None of this was my idea. I go to the hospital and expect the baby. I'm still believing that God's going to resurrect the baby. You know, she's delivering the baby and I holding the baby. We all took our phones. It was weird. We all took pictures. Holding the baby and there's a picture of my son-in-law. He's like my son. And he's over my shoulder. And I hold the baby to my lips and said, Josiah, in the scriptures, there are testimonies of people who breathe life into a dead life and it came alive again. If you want to come back, And he didn't. But out of that, I learned more through that than I did through reading Bible stories about someone else's pain. And if you think you can keep pain away from you, you're deceived. And the fear that we have, and this is really a dangerous thing. Job, what he feared fell upon him. I'm not telling you this story for you to look for, oh gosh, oh gosh, oh gosh. No, 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 no. Listen, you know what I learned? This is not the reality, guys. And we're living like it is. We're caught up trying to get comfortable. He said, I give you the comforter to comfort you. That's right. So may you be comforted in some way through it all to know that the God who resurrected his son has resurrected my grandson and my mom and our loved ones who've gone before. Because I can tell you the resurrection is real. Mm. And on this side of glory, the closest way you can experience eternity is be present in the moment. We run right. out of moments of time. But I'm telling you, there's no time where we're going. That's and right. we'll have all eternity. I love you all. Thank you for taking the time. Lord, I pray, I pray the blood of Christ over these words. Whatever was of you, may it center in the hearts of these people. And may it bear fruit 30, 60, 100,000 fold to their lives. And Lord, in anything that wasn't of you, please forgive me if I represent it any way. A truth that wasn't supposed to be shared. Erase it from all minds. I thank you that you're good. You're faithful. Mm. You're loving. You're kind. And with you, all things are possible. Yes. Without you, we can do nothing. We love you. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.